0: This week's episode of the Art Tactic podcast is brought to you by Art Forecaster. Our Grand Slam forecasting competition is now live for the May New York auctions. It's not too late to sign up, though. You can visit artforecaster.com to enter the competition and start leaving predictions as to what you think certain artworks up for auction at Christie's, Phillips, and Sotheby's will sell for on the auction block. Compete against other players, and the top performers will win prizes. Including a subscription to Art Tactic and Mutual Art. So visit artforecaster.com before it's too late. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're here with Adam Fields, founder and CEO of Arda, an online fine art shipping marketplace. We haven't had Adam on the podcast in a few years, so I wanted to get him back on to hear how things are going at Arda. Adam, how have you been?
1: uh i've been great it's been really good and busy and um you know missing missing you in the art tactic podcast so i'm happy to uh to be back on
0: uh-huh. well it's always great having you on so i wanted to chat with you about what's new since we last had you on but why don't you first reintroduce us to arda especially for our new listeners who didn't catch you the first time you were on the podcast a few years ago and you were just starting up things at arda what are the services you offer and what problem are you solving in the art world
1: yeah, I mean, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the last question first. I mean, the problem that we're really trying to solve is that the, the art industry and really the high-end collectible industry uh, is changing. Um, businesses are, are really struggling to, to raise their margins, grow their businesses, becoming increasingly competitive, increasingly global. Um, technology has been lacking a little bit. Um, our view is that really uh, logistics is the Achilles heel of commerce. Uh, if you can unlock uh, the problem of, of shipping, you really can enable commerce. Um, so ARDA's really core mission, uh, as we continue to grow the business, is to enable buyers and sellers um, in really handling and doing what FedEx does. Um, we think that if we can take the hassle uh, out of shipping expensive fragile objects, um, we can grow uh, the high-end collectible market starting in ART and really make buying and selling and really just the trade uh, much easier. So. We're doing that by essentially creating uh, a global network of the best uh, high end first mile, last mile shippers that's wrapped around a a freight forwarding component. So any buyer or seller of art, furniture, antiques uh, will go down the stack further uh, as we grow, um, can essentially hit a button, um, say what they have, where it's going, uh, and get a, a curated uh, vetted list uh, of quotes uh, based off of uh, the best providers for that particular job. Um, so it really en- enables sellers to to function more efficiently because they don't need to focus um, their time on on dealing with shipping, creates a uh, user experience for for sellers um, and um, makes things really easier up and down the entire stack.
0: And since we last spoke, there have been a lot of exciting developments at ARDA, including getting investments from a few major art companies, such as Sotheby's. Why did Sotheby's get behind ARDA? To what extent are you integrated into the shipping of artworks sold at the auction house? And what has that investment really meant for ARDA?
1: Yeah, well, I think our our approach throughout this entire process in, in trying to build an awesome business is really that it can really play into both the strategic side of things, meaning people that we are trying to solve the problem for, um, you know, sellers uh, of ours, like some of these, David Zwerner is also uh, an investor, but it also is is really filling a need in the broader, you know, technology world. Obviously uh, e-commerce and logistics is is a super, is is an amazingly large market and is actually becoming pretty popular um, in, in the venture world, world, when you look at you know, companies like Flexport, which have raised hundreds of millions of dollars, um, et cetera, um, trying to find solutions for kind of the lower end uh, types of shipping. So we've really taken an approach that we want to have both strategic entities involved, like a Sotheby's, like a David Zwerner, that enable us to, to get a bit of credibility within the industry, uh, working with people that can help us solve problems, help us drive some business, but also combine that with, with the venture world uh, as well. So I think when you talk about, you know, someone like a Sotheby's, it's been helpful for us as kind of a, a of a valid of a market validator, um, which I think is helpful because, you know, we're the, the art world and kind of high and collectible world uh, is a bit on the antiquated side. So if you can, if you can force that change or force people to think outside the box a little bit, um, that's kind of what we're trying to do to try to accelerate things and having people aligned with you that are that are market leaders um, can really just kind of help do that. Um, so I think Sotheby's really is recognizing, and I think all the auction houses and really kind of the bigger players in the space, whether it's of Sotheby's, uh, or even a David Zorner or Hazard earth, are, are recognizing that they want to be at the forefront, uh, of this technical innovation and recognize that they're trying to become more efficient, uh, and more innovative. And there's ways that you can do that while thinking outside the box. Um, so I think that's kind of some of their motivation behind it. We've actually, um, launched a lot of integrations with auction houses. So we just launched our integration with Philips Auction House, um, actually last week. So now Phillips uh, Auction House can can go into their inventory system, hit ship, uh, and that allows their logistics managers to really get quote click. Um, we're also due to Christie's about developing software uh, for them. So I think I think really all of these auction houses that which are are operating at more of a um, of an enterprise level. Uh, and therefore, a larger operations are trying to look for any kind of uh, efficiency gains uh, that they can get, so they can focus on their core competencies, which essentially is sourcing and selling uh, art, and get, getting consignments, and essentially, you know, becoming a successful successful business for their for their uh, stakeholders.
0: One of your services is helping galleries get their artwork to art fairs. I imagine it's especially important for them to do this in an efficient and cost-effective manner, considering the proliferation of the art fair and how many of them are occurring each year around the world. Freeze and TFAF were here last week in New York. Walk us through how you worked with galleries, for example, this past week, to get their art from either their galleries or artist studios or anywhere else to the actual art fairs onto the walls in their booths.
1: Yeah, I mean, as, as as you and your listeners are, are readily aware, the art fair uh, dynamic is kind of constantly changing and evolving. I think some people complain that there's too many fairs. Some people uh, are getting overworked and then kind of always looking for an excuse uh, about why they're good or why they're bad. Um, I, from our perspective, we view art fairs as a really interesting uh, issue because shipping is, is a big um, is a big percentage of a, of a gallery's cost uh, when it comes to art fairs. I mean, you're, you're thinking about the, the cost, cost of the actual real estate or the booth uh, is probably number number one and then shipping is probably uh, not too far behind. Um, and us being the innovators that we are, are trying to always think of ways that we can help really all parts of the ecosystem because an art fair, you know, obviously it doesn't just affect uh, art galleries but it also affects collectors, curators, even shipping companies are trying to find ways to get more efficient around it. So we really approach art fairs uh, in a couple ways. Uh, the first one is trying to develop partnerships with art fairs themselves. Um, So we developed a partnership with uh, Expo Chicago uh, in Chicago to have a kiosk uh, at the fair and launched a text-to-quote service around that this past September. So that anyone that is buying or selling an artwork, whether it's a gallery or whether it's a collector, um, can text a number at the fair to liaise and get a quote pretty instantaneously. Uh, We find that, that shipping can be a blocker a lot of times for sales. So if you can really condense the window that it takes to get a shipping cost It can actually make the transaction much smoother for both buyer and seller. So that's one of the things we've been trying to do uh, at the fairs themselves. Uh, We actually had an interesting partnership with freeze uh, that we tested out, which is essentially trying to consolidate um, freight at certain parts uh, of of the world to uh, get more efficient costs or I'm sorry, lower costs for their exhibitors. Uh, As you know, in our fair. Uh, is trying to really make a lot of a lot of different people happy. <laughs> they're trying to make their exhibitors happy. So they're trying to get them to sell more work. They're trying to lower costs. They're trying to get more curators there so that they can, you know, get more exposure for their artists. Um, but Freeze has said, and I'm assuming a lot of other art fairs have said too, that you know a lot of the foreign exhibitors um, are trying to see how they can get shipping costs down. So as we kind of grow, as our platform grows in in, in our critical mass, um, the ability to consolidate. Um, freight across different entities becomes a more real, um, a real thing that we can do. So we tested that out, um, with Freeze, uh, and then their exhibitors and really having consolidation points, uh, around Europe, um, which has worked out quite well. And we're really trying to, to continually see how we can do more, more kind of real, you know, freight forwarding, taking, you know, real freight forwarding principles and, uh, bring them, you know, more online. Um, so that's something that I think we're really, uh, excited about and trying to, to, to do more of.
0: And you've expanded to Europe. I recall when we originally had you on the podcast, you were focused on U.S. shipping. What's the environment like there when it comes to fine art shipping? Is it similar to the U.S. or are there unique shipping challenges to that region?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, first and foremost, it was really important for us to to prove out the concept and kind of learn and, and get it right. And I think we really did a good job of that. Um, in the United States, it, it didn't happen overnight. You know, we had to really prove ourselves and demonstrate our value to both sides of the market, meaning both, so, you know, the shippers and suppliers, and also um, galleries, auction houses, advisors, et cetera, who who need to ship things. Um, and obviously, shipping international is much different than shipping, you know, from New York to Chicago. So part of it was learning experience, and then and, and then building out the technology and demonstrating uh, the product market fit for the business. Um, but the other side is kind of getting a better sense of what people want. And one of the things that we heard the most from our U.S. users was that international shipping for them was, was much <laughs> was much harder than trying to ship something from New York to Chicago. So we really, our international expansion was really driven by the needs of our existing users. Uh, concurrently, what we really started to see too is that if you think about Europe um, as, a, as a country rather than a continent, um, it has a lot of the same principles as the United States. If you need to ship something, From London to Berlin, you know, it's usually done via road, uh, via consolidated road freight. And then not too dissimilar than shipping something from, say, New York to Chicago. And a lot of the distances around Europe are very similar to the distances around the United States, if not, if not shorter. Um, so we really saw an opportunity to start in Europe and kind of emulating the, the consolidated ground shipments that we've been doing in the United States, uh, within Europe. Uh, and that was kind of um, hit home by the fact that a lot of these shippers in Europe are running trucks all around the country. But if you're a, a company in let's say Berlin, that, that doesn't mean that you couldn't ship something, pick up something in London and drop it off in France. So there's a, really, a lot of really interesting ways you could consolidate a lot of the uh, the, the, the shippers and vendors around Europe um, with a lot of the the movements that need to have happen. Um, so that's something that we've been really focused on and has been been proven to, to prov- provide a lot of value to really both supply and demand out there. Um, generally speaking, um, you know, there's always challenges in kind of extending cross borders. Uh, I think culturally uh, is one of them. I think that what we've seen is that the idea of having aggregators, consolidators, whether it's like a, an Expedia or, or an Uber, um, kind of go off much easier in the United States. Um, so I think it's taken a bit for people to kind of understand what we're trying to do. Um, the other side of it is that people um, are doing a lot more storage directly in a with an art shipper in Europe versus a lot of times in in the United States we see that a lot oftentimes people are storing or shipping things from their galleries or residences uh, directly. Um, so getting people to understand that there are options other than than where you might have something stored um i think it's been a pretty eye-opening experience uh for people um and then you know just generally speaking i think um, <laughs> you, you don't know if you don't know so so i think people are recognizing this is a really good idea in terms of being able to add efficiency to their selling operation um but until you start to recognize that it can really you know do what we say and give it a shot it, it takes a, people are a bit apprehensive about it but i think that now that people are starting to see the, the level of entities that are starting to use the platform, the service actually comes through, uh, you can save time and money and, and add an experience for, for both buyer and seller, um, it's starting it's starting to to work. Um, we're definitely not where we where we want to be yet. I think a lot of what we want to do is starting to add more more value to the international shipping stack. You know, so for instance, a lot of times if you're shipping things, let's say, into the United States from, from a foreign country, you oftentimes need to sign a power of attorney. This power of attorney is now very uh, very pen to paper. You need to print something out. You need to sign it. You need to scan it back in. You need to send it through. So we're really looking at how some of these small things, you know, in, in the grand scheme, can be digitized to make the international shipping experience uh, a lot easier. And I think that once we start to do that, um, people are going to start to see that it, it really doesn't change things uh, too much. You can still get a really really high quality for for a good price with providers that you know and trust. Um, but you're gonna be getting services uh, and features and functionality through the ARTA platform um, that you couldn't get from a shipper directly. And it doesn't mean that, you know, a shipper is, is at fault for not doing it, it's just not really their core competency. So we're really trying to add um, add features that can aid in both, uh, aid in all parts of the, the shipping process, whether it's helping helping a vendor or, or helping someone who needs to ship something uh, because they just bought it from an auction or a gallery.
0: One question I've always had, and I imagine many of our audience members have as well, after we buy an artwork and whether we use artists' website to obtain shipping quotes or we do it manually, collecting them from different shipping vendors, the variance in prices on these quotes is so high. And I'm wondering why is there so much variance on these quotes? And also, do you think artist transparency will eventually reduce this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really great question. Um, and it's something that I think we started to I I, I started to this really early on. The discrepancy in price isn't always an indicator of quality. It is more of an indicator of strengths and weaknesses. Um, if you ask someone in New York, let's say, to get you a quote to go from New York to Chicago, they'll get you a quote. But oftentimes it might not be a route that they're doing on a regular basis. Um, so they don't have the volume to consolidate, which can drive pricing down. Um, on the other hand, it might be a route that someone does all the time and therefore can offer a very low rate against it. Um, so we like to say is, I mean, we, we've seen instances sometimes where people call us or email us and say, wow, this rate is so low. Does that mean, this must mean that the And it's kind of funny you think about it. I mean, oftentimes people associate price with quality. And it's actually not not the case. Um, oftentimes, there be we we see instances where the lowest price provider could potentially be the highest quality provider. So what our platform has really tried to do is play to people's strengths, um, so that it can get rid of a lot of the subcontracting and marking up. Um, so that if you're going from you know London to Berlin, for example, um, the, the provider that's actually carrying out that service and running the truck is the one that's providing you a quote, not someone that necessarily wants to mark it up and then mine it out to someone else. Uh, Because as you start to add in more layers and markups and subcontracting, et cetera, it artificially, uh, if you will, brings up price. So our main goal is to try to start peeling away the layers using data and technology, um, which can essentially uh, lower pricing, presumably without sacrificing quality. Um, I don't think what we're doing is a race to the bottom because you, you need to have people that know what they're doing uh, and are and are high quality individuals. I think the main thing that people don't understand is that it's not always a, a one size uh, fits all situation. Uh, just because you like like a shipper doesn't mean that they always have the the expertise or or the wherewithal or the network uh, or the infrastructure to carry out that service at the at the intersection of quality and cost. Um, so I think that's why it's important for people to know what shippers specialize in. It doesn't mean that they can't do it for you, but recognizing which people focus on what is super important. A lot of times, you know, we kind of segment it between local, regional, national, and international. Uh, some people do all of them, some people only do local. Um, but if you ask a local person to do international shipment, they could try to do it, but they might outsource it to someone else and then you're just raising your costs. So I think that's that's the main main reason around it. Um, and we're trying to we're trying to cut through that essentially uh, to make things easier and more transparent for everyone.
0: Adam, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast and updating us on how things are going at Arda, as well as discussing the broader fine art shipping space with us. Next time our listeners need their art shipped, I recommend they give Arda a try if they haven't already. And if they want to, what's the website they can visit?
1: Yeah, that'd be great. They can go to shiparta.com, S-H-I-P-A-R-T-A.com. It is free um, to create an account, uh, submit requests, and uh, check it out. And we have plenty of... uh, people uh, on the client service side and the shipping side that are uh, able, to, able and willing uh, to assist and try to get people onboarded as uh, easily and as, as efficiently as possible.
0: Thanks so much again. Appreciate it.
1: Cool. Thank you too. Appreciate it.